AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Some of the jobs you might get at NASA have really awesome sounding titles. I heard you can work at NASA and be called a spaceship commander. Yeah, or even better, you could be the head of planetary defense. Are you serious? Is that like a real title? Absolutely. Wait, so what are we, what do we need to defend against? Like rogue planets? Evil planets? We're not expecting an attack from Mars, but we do need to be defended against killer asteroids from outer space. That would be an Armageddon. That's right. That's why they have Bruce Willis on call at all times. Hey, I have an idea for a movie. What's your idea? Die Hard in space. In space, no one can hear you shoot a gun. It's not hard to die in space. (laughs) (laughs) Sold. Hello, I'm Jorge. And I'm Daniel. And this is Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. Today, we're talking about a pretty big question when it comes to humanity, which is... Is an asteroid going to come and kill us all? So, um, grim stuff. Grim stuff, but also important. I mean, you might brush this off as irrelevant, but we know from some pretty recent scientific history, 65 million years ago, the dinosaur extinction was caused very likely by an asteroid impact. Just the other day. Just the other day in geologic terms. So it could happen to us. That's right. And so since we're all concentrated on this one planet, you know, all of our humanity's eggs are in one basket, almost literally, it's a reasonable question to ask. So um, Daniel went out and asked people on the street, are they concerned about uh, an asteroid killing us all? Here's what they said. Um, 
well, maybe there's a possibility. I mean, it's quite possible, but there has to be certain things to happen for that to, in order that take place, you know? You gotta have holes in the ozone, you gotta have meteoroids coming, you gotta be able to project it, you, know, you gotta know. I mean, we have the technology, so we can stop it. Uh, I think there's a chance, yeah. Are you worried about it? Um, I read that, like, it's a low probability, but every day that goes by, the probability, like, compounds so that um, there's a high chance now. But honestly, like, it's whatever. Like, if it happens, it happens, you know? Um, it's all a question of probability, but uh, it's, uh, there's a finite possibility. <laughs> so it seemed like a lot of people were aware of the danger, but a lot of people also sort of put it off. They're like, well, it's a possibility, but they don't think about it, right? There's like a fascinating dissonance there. They, they don't seem that concerned. Yeah, like I got other stuff to worry about. Yeah. Did I gas in my car or am I going to, you know, is a self-driving Uber going to run me over? Yeah. Uh, they seem to be more worried about that. They, they seem to be very pragmatic. Like, I know the probability small, so I'm not going to worry about it as much as I'm going to worry about, you know, getting run over by a car. Yeah, there's like hierarchies of worry. You know, it's like that's on the list of things I should worry about, but I don't actually have time to worry about. <laughs> yeah. And maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away. Right. right? Sort of right. that list of problems. And then some people seem to have just like this super confidence in, in scientists and engineers. You know, they're like, yeah, I know we, it could kill us all, but, you know, I think we probably have the technology and they're probably working on it. I love that slash I'm terrified by it. I love it because <laughs> I love that they're like, yeah, scientists are pretty capable. I mean, in the movies, all it takes to solve this problem is like a couple pots of coffee and a musical montage and the scientists have an answer, right? I love that idea. Yeah, don't forget the chalkboard, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the solution. (laughs) It's always at least one musical montage, though. Right, right. Um, I'm terrified, though, because it means that they're like, well, I don't have to worry about it. We don't have to do anything, you know. I'm sure science has it covered. And as you're going to learn in today's episode, there certainly are some vulnerabilities there. You know, there's a possibility that an asteroid, if it comes, could wipe us out, even if we do see it coming. It's non-zero, the probability. It's non-zero. It's definitely on the list of things you should worry about, but probably don't have time to do anything about anyway. Right, right. Okay, so what what is the probability then that we're going to get hit by an asteroid? Seven. (laughs) <laughs> Seven out of what? No, I'm joking. <laughs> the probability is fascinating. It's sort of unknown. And, you know, you have to think about, like, what is the kind of thing that's going to hit us, right? Mm. So we're talking about rocks, right? And when you look out into space, you see the bright stuff. You see the stars. You see the moon. You see things that give off light. There's other stuff out there that's dark that you don't see unless it happens to reflect light, you know, be like shining from moonlight or sunlight or something. Mm. So there's a huge number of rocks that are still out there in the, in the solar system and in the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about, like a big rock slamming into the earth. Yeah. And I thought that was super interesting uh, to find out that, you know, when we people see in movies like, oh, we're going to get hit by an asteroid. It's usually like this thing that comes from the void of space that's going to hit us out of the blue. Um, but the truth is, apparently, that we're, like, surrounded by asteroids. There's, like, gazillions of asteroids that were, like, hanging around us, right? Yeah, there absolutely. There's rocks everywhere in our solar system. And right. you have to understand, like, how our solar system came to be. Mm-hmm. You know, our solar system is, like, gravity slowly over billions of years pulling together rocks and rubble and dust mm-hmm. into larger pieces, right? Right. Like, how do you form a star? You get a big ball of gas and you wait a billion years. And gravity eventually pulls it together and compresses it and compresses it so much that it turns into like a fusion bomb, right? That's how powerful gravity is over long times, right? If given enough time, it can pull anything together. 
but it doesn't get everything. So there's still, you know, enough rocks left over to make Earth and enough bits left over to make Jupiter. And not all those bits get pulled into a planet. And that's why you have things like the asteroid belt, which has a huge number of rocks in it. They're like the, uh, the crumbs from, from making the, the planets, right? <laughs> that's right. Somebody ate a cake and the asteroid belt <laughs> are their crumbs left over and they didn't sweep up. Yeah, Absolutely. or like, you know, when you're making like meatballs or bread or something and you're like, you like you grab some and you like you pat it down, you make something, but there's always all these little bits lying around. That's right. And I usually wipe down my counter, but whoever <laughs> made the solar system didn't. And for scale, like I looked this up and um, if you added up like all of the rocks in the asteroid belt, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, one twenty fifth of the of the size of the moon. So most of the stuff in the solar system Wait, that's it? Yeah. Yeah. It's four percent of the moon if you add up all the stuff in the asteroid belt. All that stuff. I thought it was like thicker and, and, and more massive. Yeah, and, and fascinatingly, some of them, it's mostly a, a few big rocks. Like half of the stuff in the, in the asteroid belt is just four really big rocks. Mm. But there's a lot of rocks out there. How many rocks are there? <laughs> How many rocks are there? No, is there an estimate? Like, um... Well, there's, we don't know um, the number of rocks in total mm-hmm. um, because you can't count the really tiny ones. Like we know oh. the big one. We They're know a few small. big ones. And as they get smaller and smaller, there are more and more. And as they get mm-hmm. really small, they get really numerous. And then they're basically impossible to see and impossible to count. And the thing to understand there is that obviously the biggest rocks are the more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And the smallest ones are less dangerous. Oh, and so we're mostly worried about the biggest rocks. Right, right. And like some of those rocks are pretty big. Like we need to worry about the, the rocks in our solar system that we're like hanging out with. Like I was thinking like a, an analogy is, is that like we're, like we're in the toilet, right? And this toilet is is swirling around, and we're like this little pebble on it. Is but, this your personal toilet model of the solar system? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think Copernicus rejected that, didn't he? Explicitly. Um, yeah, I don't think they had toilets back then. <laughs> You're right. You're right. All right, go ahead. So yeah, so it's like we're swirling around, and we're this little ball, but there's all these other little balls swirling around around us, and we're just hoping that in this swirling around, none of them are going to hit us. It's like this chaotic giant thing, right? Isn't it? That's right. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. But first, a quick break. Physicists are famously sticklers for detail. And when it comes to the fine print contracts and hidden fees from wireless providers, I've learned that there's always a catch somewhere. So when I heard that the Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, where's the catch? But now I'm convinced there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. So they cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass all those savings directly to you. So you can say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, draw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash universe that's mintmobile.com slash universe cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see Mint Mobile for details witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Right. So let's think of the solar system as this big swirling mass. I think that's a fair analogy. I mean, a toilet bowl makes it fa- sound like everything is cycling towards the center, which we're hopefully not going to get flushed into the sun. Right, right. But um, but you're right. Everything's been swirling around. And in the beginning, I think there was a lot of bumping, right? There's mm. a, there was a big disorganized mess and it swirled together. And the bumping is how we got planets and stars and all that kind of stuff. But now, billions of years later, right, the Earth is at least 4 billion years old. Billions of years later, things have been swirling around for a long time. And things that we're going to bump together and form together mostly have. Things have settled down. Yeah, we're sort of in the, um, you know, happy middle ages of the solar system. (laughs) The end of the flush. (laughs) (laughs) We're waiting for the big flush to come. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... um, the interesting thing is that uh, there are rocks in our solar system, which mm. if they hit the Earth, could do serious damage. Like okay. the biggest rock in the asteroid belt is uh, 950 kilometers across, which That's is huge. huge. Yeah, It's enormous. That's like, uh, yeah. what, like Florida? I don't know, but the one that killed the dinosaurs was about 10 kilometers across. No way. So, nine, yeah, 950 kilometers across, it's like a planet buster. So there's definitely stuff in our solar system, which if it hit us, could do serious damage. So maybe you're right. That's a surprise to people. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're living with them. It's like your roommate could kill you at any time. (laughs) More like your neighbor. But, you know, (laughs) that's sort of something um, we're accustomed to. You know, you just try not to look in their windows too much and get too worried about it. Uh, But, yeah, you never know when your neighbor is going to uh, um, smash into you and cause an explosion the size of a nuclear warhead. Yeah. Let's talk about the the, uh, the spectacular grim stuff. Like, what's the probability of surviving an asteroid hitting us? Right, yeah. And that, again, depends entirely on the size. For example, there are asteroids hitting the Earth all the time. Like, things mm-hmm. that are, you know, less than a meter in size, these rocks mm-hmm. are hitting the Earth all the time. Um, and, but the Earth is big, and these asteroids are small. And every time you look up it's in the night sky and you see a shooting star, that is a rock hitting the Earth. Because remember, asteroid. we have something oh. like a windshield, right? We have this, this atmosphere which protects the Earth, and it protects us from various cosmic rays, but also from space rocks. Because what happens when a rock hits the atmosphere, it's sort of like, um, I don't know, like an elephant hitting a waterbed or something, right? Mm. It's, um, it, it impacts, and it, gets, uh, and it pushes the air out of the way, but it gets heated up by right. all that air. It's, it's going like so a, fast, it, the air feels like yeah. this... Like this 
giant jet that strips it away, right? Yeah, exactly. Like in all those movies, when spaceships are re-entering atmosphere, mm-hmm. that's because of all the friction from the air on the spaceship. And spaceships oh. usually have like nice protection, fancy tiles or something that protect the astronauts from, from being burnt to a crisp. But a space rock is just a rock and sometimes it's made of ice or rubble or or whatever. It doesn't have that. And so usually they burn up in the atmosphere and that's what shooting stars are. So we're constantly being hit by very small ones, which we couldn't have seen in advance because they were too small, but they don't yeah. do any damage. So air is good. Air is good for lots of reasons. <laughs> the atmosphere, right. good thing we have it. Um, yeah, but then about one every five years or so, you get a rock that's like five meters in size. Mm. And... A rock five meters in size has a lot of kinetic energy to it, right? It's been traveling through space for a long time. By the time it hits the Earth, it's been pulled in by a gravitational field. It has about as much energy as the nuclear bomb that exploded over Hiroshima. It's a lot of energy. So a five-meter asteroid is about like the size of a minivan or school bus? Yeah, yeah, it's about a, a school bus. And it blows up. And about once every five years, one of those hits the Earth and, and uh, makes a pretty spectacular explosion. Now, most of the Earth, of course, is covered in water. And we're not like imaging all the atmosphere simultaneously. And these things can happen in the upper atmosphere. Because you might be thinking, hmm, I think I'd notice if somebody blew up a nuclear bomb every five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but these kind of things can happen and we don't necessarily notice them. Really? So five years ago, we had a Hiroshima-style asteroid hit us? The odds are that sometime Mm. in the last five years, um, there's a good chance that a pretty big rock hit the atmosphere and burned up upon entry, leaving as much energy as a Hiroshima explosion, yeah. Mm. And the energy isn't quite as concentrated. It's not as as focused in one spot as the Hiroshima explosion. But yeah, it can leave a substantial amount of energy. Like by the time it reaches the ground or the ocean, it has that much energy? Yeah, I think uh, in order to reach the ground, that's about the threshold. About okay. five meters. Yeah. Oh, and remember, okay. there was a pretty big explosion over Russia in 2013 in Chelyabinsk. Right, yeah. I've seen the videos on YouTube. Yeah, everybody saw the videos. It just happened like one morning. Huge explosion in the sky, like like an enormous bomb. And everybody was wow. shocked. And like a thousand people, I think, were hurt um, when that happened. And nobody saw it coming, right? Like um, there was no warning. The warning was when it appeared in the atmosphere and it just blew up. And that's exactly what happened. And I think little bits of it might have reached the ground, but mostly it exploded in the atmosphere. Wow. So if it had been like twice the size, somebody could have been hit by an asteroid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the bigger they get, the more dangerous they get. You know, Mm. if it gets big enough, then it's, you know, it can... It can explode in the atmosphere and leave huge clouds of dust and rubble and all sorts of stuff. And it can, when it hits the ground, it can throw up enormous clouds of dust and rubble. And that's where the danger really lies. Like, not necessarily even, are you actually hit by a rock? Like, being actually physically hit by the rock from space is uh-huh. a tiny fraction of the danger. One of the real dangers is just that it, like, covers the sun and wow. causes a, you know, I guess a you would call it like a... Environmental catastrophe. <laughs> environmental catastrophe. I was looking for like asteroidal winter. Or something. <laughs> asteroidal winter. Asteroidal winter, yeah. Oh. We are coining new science terms. We have the toilet bowl universe and the um, asteroidal winter. You almost want to be hit by a, an asteroid large enough so that you die instantly and you don't die from this like agonizing post-apocalyptic environmental disaster (laughs) well i guess you can choose how you go i mean if the asteroid hits the earth and you get vaporized immediately like it just hits your city huge explosions you know your entire city is destroyed um you know you can make like a crater 
like a, a th- 100 kilometers wide or something, you could die instantly. And you might prefer that because what comes next is like a cold, long winter, you uh, know, where all the crops die. And, and everybody... only people who stockpile a lot of lentils in their basement are going to survive. <laughs> but also if it hits the water, you have a whole other problem, which is like massive tsunamis, right? I mean, imagine, um, go back to like our space cow hitting an, uh, a waterbed, or I guess we were talking an elephant or something. Like if a big mm-hmm. rock hits the ocean, you might think, oh, great, that's going to absorb the impact. Well, yeah, it's going to absorb the impact and it's going to absorb it in form of a huge wave, right? Like, you know, a right. wave's a kilometer high could wash over the, uh, the planet. It's crazy. But it sort of depends on the size, right? So we're getting pelted all the time by little ones. As they get bigger, they get more and more dangerous. And at some point, it's like end of the world. That's right. I think um, if they get big enough, then we're talking planet killers, you know, something that starts off um, super volcanoes, you know, like rips open the Earth's crust and releases, mm-hmm. you know, the magma and the lava that's underneath. And we're talking about not just uh, tsunamis and not just earthquakes and not just the sky full of dust, but also massive oceans of lava covering the ground. And so that's oh um, that's pretty serious stuff. But, you know, that's unlikely that it, that requires a really, really big rock. You know, and I looked up okay. some numbers here also, and like yeah. a five kilometer wide rock carries a hundred zeta joules. That's ten to the twenty three <laughs> joules. All right, and so for comparison, uh-huh. is that a lot? That's a lot. Like an average American uses about ten to the eleven joules in a year, and all of humanity mm-hmm. uses like ten to the twenty joules in one year. So that one collision carries like a thousand years worth of energy for humanity. So it's a huge oh. amount of energy in, in a big collision like that. But again, remember, the really big ones are rare. Like they estimate, for example, that a rock 5,000 meters wide, that's what we're talking about here, is like every 20 million years or so. But um, we could be at the end of that uh, lifespan. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. It's like there's ro- rocks of all kinds of sizes out there, from little ones to big ones. And the bigger they are, the less likely we are to get, the less uh, common they are, but the more destructive they are. That's exactly right. So it's kind of like this, this, the, this, kind of, um, this kind of opposing curves, you know, like bigger, but less likely, but more dangerous. That's right. Bigger is less common, but more dangerous. It's absolutely true. And there's another piece of good news, which is the bigger they are, the more likely we are to see them. Right, and to spot them, mm. which means we might have some idea about where, where the, whether they're coming or not. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. Like, how do we see them, and like, what's NASA doing about it? People seem to have all this great confidence in scientists, and uh, I'm going to lay it all out on NASA. I have a lot of friends at NASA, so um, you guys are awesome. So, well, like, what are they doing about it? How do they see them? Yeah, they have a dedicated team that talk. They're called like the Planetary Defense Force or something. And um, <laughs> are they really called that? Yeah, I think so. The Near Earth PDF. Um, Objects Planetary Defense Team. Aren't they called the um, Near Earth Objects Group? Yeah, NEO, Near Earth Objects Neo. is what they study. And they basically yeah. just use telescopes and they scan the sky um, and they look mm-hmm. for rocks. And you have to spot these things at the right time when the sun is reflecting off of them so that we can see them on Earth because they don't glow, right? They're dark rocks. And, and the rocks respond mm. differently to light. Some of them respond um, in this kind of lighting condition, and that kind of lighting condition is a different brightness. So you basically just have to pay attention all the time and notice one. Mm. And if you get a few pictures of it, the more pictures of it you can get, the more you can, you can know its size and its direction. 
And if you know its size and its direction, then you can plot its course into the future. You can say, oh, I think I know where this rock is and which direction it's going. And like which orbit it's in, right? Yeah. You can use my model of the solar system and understand where it's going to be and where we're going to be. And then they can project forward. And the more measurements they have, the tighter that band of uncertainty is, like the tighter the projection Mm -hmm. is for where that rock is going to be over the next year or decade or or century. And they can plot Mm -hmm. Earth's movements and they can say whether or not we're in the clear or not. So it all comes down to NASA um, scanning the sky with their telescopes, Mm -hmm. looking for these rocks and hoping to spot one. So they see like a bright dot moving in the sky and they can maybe, if you take several measurements, you can see it curving or going to a certain speed. So you can tell sort of from from that, you can tell kind of what the trajectory around the sun is. Yeah, and they've been doing this for a few decades. And so they've seen these rocks go around the sun a few times and they get better and better measurements. Mm. And so they can make better and better predictions. And that's why it's so that, that, it's easier yeah. to see the big ones, right? Because they reflect more light and they're just easier to spot. So it's good mm. that the big ones, the more dangerous ones, are the easiest ones to see. It'd be it'd be scary if the smaller ones were dangerous because they're basically invisible. Right. So that's like the uh, planetary defense strategy, right? It's just like, look out, try to spot them before they hit us. Yeah, step number one is figure out, is one going to hit us? And at this point... They've looked out into the solar system, they've been watching for a while, and they're pretty confident that they've seen all the ones that pose really any danger. Um, all the ones that could do really any danger to the planet or to a significant civilian population. All the ones above a you know, uh, kilometer in size, for example. They think they know all of, the, all of our neighbors that could kill us. We think we sort of have a check on them. Yeah, they think they've like seen we have them. A, like a registry of them. Yeah, but you know, there could always be one hiding. Like, they've only seen what they've seen. They, by definition, haven't seen what they haven't seen. They can say, well, we've been looking, <laughs> Wait, and so if it had been there, we probably would have seen it. But, you know, it, could, it only takes one, right? It only takes one to break their, their model of, of how they should be seeing these things. They could be hiding somehow. Um, but, yeah, they've seen all those big ones, and they've plotted those trajectories. And they're pretty confident that in the next hundred years, at least, none of those big neighbors are going to hit us. Yeah, I've seen those plots. They're crazy. They're like a picture of the solar system. And so we're we're on this orbit around the sun, but then there's like hundreds of rocks, right? They're, they have to keep track of their orbits. So it's like a it's like a huge mess. This model, right? It's like our orbit, but then like the orbits of like a hundred things going in all kinds of elliptical uh, shapes, and hopefully none, we don't intersect one of those ellipses, right? That's right. Yeah. And the thing to understand also is that the system is a little chaotic, right? As we said, we've been driving mm. around this toilet bowl for billions of years and things are mostly stable. But if some rock comes from outer space, you know, from deep in, away from the solar system and gives just a little oh. nudge to to some other rock, that rock could bump into a third rock. right? Yeah, gravitationally. You don't even have to bump. Just like affect the orbits of one thing that could affect the orbit of another thing, which affects the orbit of another thing. Mm. And this could, you know, cascade and kind of cause like a pileup basically, which could knock one of these things uh. out of orbit. And, you know, then it could change its trajectory. So it's it's a difficult problem from a sort of chaos theory point of view that a little perturbation right. could totally change the answer. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more. But first, a quick break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. So you have to keep looking and keep updating your model. That's right. You have to keep looking. You have to and keep updating your model. And you have to be aware that there are definitely things that are not in your model, right? There are things that you haven't seen. And so mm-hmm. you're right that like there's a lot of stuff in the asteroid belt and we've seen most of it. And I think the, right. the, the uh, guys and gals at NASA are pretty confident that they've seen those things. But then you have to worry about things like comets, right? Comets. Oh, that's something different. Yeah, that's something different. And it's part of our solar system. But some of these things have really long um, periods, like really long orbits, like 100 years mm-hmm. or 200 years, which means they could be on a trajectory to hit the Earth in 50 years. But we just wouldn't see them right now because they're so far out there and they've never come by the Earth while we've had astronomy. I mean, we've only been looking at the sky for you know a few hundred years and we've only had modern telescopes for decades. So... If there's a planet killer out there that's headed towards Earth and just hasn't come by in the last, you know, seven decades or so, we might not have seen mm-hmm. it. So we'll only see it when it's closer to us. Yeah. And you might think, well, that oh. seems improbable. Like, I just invented that story, right? But it actually happened once, and it happened only, like, was it 25 years ago? It happened that, that a comet came into our solar system out of the blue. Yes, and smashed into a planet. Out of, out of the black. Out of the black, that's right. Ooh, I like that. That's an awesome title for a book, Out of the Black. Um, yeah, Comet Shoemaker-Levy came out of the black and whizzed, and whizzed into the solar system very high speed. And the other thing is these comets are moving really fast. By the time they come close to the mm. sun, they're going much, much faster than any asteroid. And it came and it wow. whizzed around the sun, and it actually got broken up by tidal forces into a bunch of, like, 23 pieces. And this mm. was really awesome because we could see that it was going to hit Jupiter you know, months and weeks before it happened. Like they saw it coming to the solar system. They'd recognized it. They plotted its trajectory. They're like, wow, it's going to hit Jupiter. Awesome. <laughs> so nobody thought like, hey, maybe we should warn 
potential people in Jupiter instead of like, <laughs> hey, let's make some popcorn and watch this awesome explosion. What are we going to do? What are we going to like send them a message? <laughs> like, watch out. <laughs> yeah. you know? Duck. Four. Um, the amazing thing was that it broke into 23 pieces, because, and which means that we got to see 23 different impacts of wow. comet onto Jupiter. And the thing is, it's like space is big, right? So like you think it was impossibly improbable that this thing would come out of the blue and hit a moving planet that's moving pretty fast around the sun, but it actually happened. It actually happened, yeah. And Jupiter's not a small target, right? It has a lot of gravity. And so you mm. don't have to get that close before Jupiter like sucks you in. And, uh, and that's how it got so big, right? It accumulated stuff by pulling it in. Um, but there's something I love about the Shoemaker-Levy story. Um, first of all, there's amazing stuff like each of the impacts when it hit created a fireball bigger than the Earth. Like, wow. Just, and we could see it from here. Like, I remember watching this through telescopes. You could see the impact in these enormous fireballs. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. So you were, like, paying attention? Because I don't remember this happening. What? Um, yeah. So, but you were you were near a telescope watching, like, a feed. Yeah, I was a nerd in high school, and uh, we had telescopes. <laughs> were you? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Is that so hard to believe? That. I know. I'm so cool now, right? That's why it's so difficult for you to imagine. <laughs> um, I was totally a nerd in high school, and we had these telescopes, and everybody around the world was watching. It was a fascinating, like, I thought the whole Earth was transfixed, you know? Apparently, everybody but Jorge was paying attention. <laughs> I, was, I had, uh, I was interested in other things in high school. <laughs> well, they, um, the guys and girls at NASA named the bits of the comet, they named it the A, the B, the C pieces, right? The, and then they started uh, to hit. And, uh, you know, the first one hit Jupiter and they called it the A spot, like where the A hit. And then the B hit, they oh called no. it the B spot, right? <laughs> and they got all the way up to, you know, the F spot. And then they were like, uh, uh, oops, what uh -oh. are we going to call the next one? <laughs> and so they had the F spot and then the G impact site, right? And then the H spot oh, again. Oh, that's funny. Because, and it's funny because that that uh, the G spot is kind <laughs> of a, it, it probably sort of only came about not that long before the, the 80s, right? Yeah, I think that was a cultural thing in that's the 80s concept. also. Yeah. And so it's sort of yeah. cosmically cultural, space-based, and also right. uh, human-based. Um, but the lesson yeah. there is... Not mm. that, you know, Jupiter has a G-spot that we should all search out, but the lesson is that these things happen. And <laughs> if it happened in the last 30 years, that means it's not that unlikely it could happen again, right? So we should be on the lookout for comets. It's good that NASA's been looking at asteroids, but comets are a real danger. So keep funding NASA. Keep funding NASA, right. So exactly. the question should really be, is not, is an asteroid going to kill us all? It's like, is a comet going to kill us all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is a yeah. comet going to kill us all is a fair question that we don't know the answer to uh, because we can't possibly see all the comets because some of them are so far away and uh, okay. and we haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. Well, so now that I'm concerned, um, what can we do? You know, people seem very confident about scientists. We've all seen uh, Armageddon and we've seen Bruce Willis deflect an asteroid uh, for us. What can we actually do? Is like, is that for real? Well, you just sit back, drink your coffee, and watch the, the people at NASA go to work, right? You know, just wait for that musical montage, and then you get your solution. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the short answer Out of is... duct tape and <laughs> duct tape and, like, and uh, spare parts. Yeah, you got to push up your glasses up your nose a few times, and, you know, then you get to the answer. Um, the short version of the answer is the earlier you see it, the better. Like, you're much better mm. off seeing something which is going to hit the Earth in six months or a year than something that's going to hit the Earth next week. 
Um, and the reason okay. is that you have two options, really. One is deflect, and the other is destroy. Deflect or destroy. Yeah, deflect that, or Those destroy. are the two options. If we know something's coming at us, uh, we can deflect or destroy it. Yeah. All right? We're coming up with great titles for science fiction novels. We have Into deflect the Black and, and Deflect or Destroy, right? The idea <laughs> behind deflect is uh, these things are traveling really fast, and the Earth is also moving mm. really fast. So if you could just nudge it a tiny bit, like a year in advance, it would totally change its trajectory mm. and it could miss the earth by a few minutes. And that's all it takes, right? It just has to fly by um, instead of smacking into us. Uh, the earth is not that easy a target to hit. It's like threading a, 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 putting a thread through a needle. Yeah. It's like it's such a small thing so that if you can make it go off a little bit, it'll totally miss the, the eye of the needle. Yeah, it's like a sniper shooting a thread through a needle from a mile away. Um, and if mm. somebody pushes him very slightly or nudges the tip of his rifle, then he's going to miss. And so if you can right, spot right. this thing a long time in advance and somehow deflect it, then you can be safe. But, you know, how are you going to do that? How, so how would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to build a rocket to go up there and visit it somehow. One thing you could do is, you know, just bump into it, like send something which literally bumps into it and deflects it. Another thing you could mm. do, it's called a gravity tractor, which is an awesome name, is you just send something up there which hangs out next to it. And its gravity gently pulls on it over a long period of time, a few weeks or months, Whoa. and changes its trajectory. Yeah, gravity Just like, a, like hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm like, standing next to you. Come here, give me a oh. hug. Give me a hug. Give me a yeah. hug. <laughs> come here, come here. <laughs> yeah, so and that's one option. like, okay. Yeah, so those are deflect, you know. Somehow if you could change its trajectory a little bit, you could save our, all of our lives. Mm. Okay, but you have to know way in advance, like you have to see it coming. Yeah, and you have to be able to get there. And we don't have great technology there. I mean, we have pretty slow rockets. It would take a long time to get something to Mars, for example. And so to get something mm. to like Jupiter, even if you see it coming, we'd need much, much faster rockets. And so people are, have ideas for, you know, like plasma-based rockets that could be much faster to deflect this stuff. But we don't have the technology. Like, if we saw tomorrow a comet that was going to hit the Earth in a year, we're not, like, ready to launch with some awesome rocket that could do this. It would take us years to develop that rocket. It's just not a priority right now. That's option A, deflected. Option B is destroy. Destroy it, right. So you think, oh, let's just send up a nuke, right? Um, but what happens mm -hmm. if you're if the asteroid or the comet is, like, about to hit the Earth, like, tomorrow, and you send up a nuke to blow mm -hmm. it up? Well, you're just going to create right. like a thousand tiny bombs instead of one huge bomb, right? And that's <laughs> a, th a thousand radioactive tiny bombs. Exactly. It doesn't really help you because it still delivers all of that energy onto the Earth. So you have to blow it up um, far enough in advance that it, then the pieces are going to miss the Earth. And also, it depends uh, on like what is it made out of? Is it a loosely held ball of rubble? In which case, blowing it up doesn't really change very much. Or is it a tightly um, bound rock, in which case blowing it up could fracture it, and then you get two rocks, each of which like pass just on the side of the Earth? Like it depends a lot on wow. those details. Do you have to be lucky? You have to be lucky, and you have to you have to get it early enough. So you can't just sit here and say, "Oh, we'll blow it up when it gets here." Right? That's not a good idea. You might as well just blow yourself up. All right. So let's recap. Let's see. Is an asteroid going to kill us all? And um, first, we learned that. Uh, we're surrounded by our asteroids. There's a bunch of them in our own solar system. And if we're going to get hit by one, it's going to come from our own solar system, most likely. That's right. right? And there's even other stuff we didn't talk about. Like there's the, the stuff outside beyond Neptune and the stuff further out there that we didn't even touch on. We just talked about the stuff mm. in the asteroid belt, which is the closest. Those are the ones we've seen. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but uh, the bigger they are, the more likely they are to kill us. But also, the bigger they are, the more likely we are that we have seen them and we know they're there and we're tracking them. That's right. And all the big ones in the solar system that are potentially planet killers or human extinction makers, we've seen those guys. And we're pretty sure that the next mm. hundred years is clear. That's, you know, according to the good work done by our, our pals at NASA. But uh, even more uh, dangerous could be a comet more than an asteroid because those could come out of the blue and out of the we, black. we won't see them coming. Out of the out of out of the void. Let's go with the void. Generic term there. And so it's a comet which you'd maybe be more worried about. Yeah, and comets are more worrisome because they're potentially going faster and they're harder to mm. spot. We wouldn't necessarily have seen them. And we have an oh. example of one hitting a planet just in the last few decades. So it's not uh, just right. a crazy science fiction idea. So the strategy is look out and make sure that we see them early enough so we can do things like deflect it or destroy it. That's right. So we should definitely keep funding NASA because it's only because of NASA and their worldwide partners that we have any idea about what's out there. But we also desperately mm -hmm. need to get cracking on some defense systems, you know, um, building things that can go out there and protect us in case this happens. Or, you know, another strategy is like, let's spread the human um, eggs out of just this basket onto some others because... It's very unlikely oh. that like Earth and Mars are both going to be hit by an asteroid simultaneously. Right. So if we could like yeah. get humans... Colonize other planets. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we should be working on. Well, cool. I feel great now. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's fascinating that most people go through their lives and don't worry about these uh -huh. existential threats, right? Because you can't. There's nothing that you can do about it. It's not like if you spent five minutes of your day working on this problem, it's going to help humanity right. or something, right? But it is important that we all think about this when it comes to time to like funding science and basic research and NASA, because that's, that's when we can do something about it. When we support candidates that support basic research, that's when you're helping the planetary defense system. Right. Well, technically, everything's an existential crisis to you, right? Like getting hit by a truck, that's a pretty existential crisis for you. You wouldn't but, worry uh, if I got hit by a truck like or the, <laughs> um, yeah, don't, no, don't I stay up late every night worried about you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Please be careful when you cross the street, please. I'll look up from my phone, I promise. All right, well, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for listening to us worry about the end of the world and keep your eyes on the sky. Yeah, look out for the void. <laughs> Watch out for the void. Have a question you wish we would cover? Send it to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, one word, or email us to feedback at danielandjorge.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. 
brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that. And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.